second part is as enjoyable. Um, that might be my fault if it isn't, so uh, forgive me for that. Let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that the reading of it inspires a hunger within us and only your Holy Spirit can truly give us the truth. May he work in our hearts and minds now as we again look through your word for inspiration and assurance and for truth. Bless this time together, we pray, in the name of Jesus our Saviour. Amen. Out at the uni where I work, I was surprised to hear the statistic that 50% of first-year students fail a lot of their subjects and uh, uh, have to repeat. And uh, that's surprising when we do so much to, to make life fun for them. Actually, we're creating distractions away from the real purpose that they're there. We're giving them something to take away from their studies. And uh, uh, there's a similarity here in the book of Jude, because he warns the Christians that they might be led astray by false teachers and falsehoods and fail the final judgment, just like those students sometimes fail the final in the first year. But unlike the students, we can't do a repeat. We can't go back and do the judgment seat of Christ a second time. So we do have to listen to the warnings from uh, the epistles. The problem Jude is bringing to the fore is that this life isn't an end in itself. It is but a means to an eternal end. And it's in this life that we determine which end we will take, that with God or the other one, uh, an eternal punishment. So let's look at what Jude is saying. In brief, the entire letter uh, fits into a a little framework. It's a greeting where Jude establishes his authority. Uh, Then there's a warning about the false teachers and how God punishes the wicked followed by a uh, call to remain faithful. And then he concludes with a prayer of praise. We've heard the first half read to us this morning quite eloquently, and uh, so I I challenge you to read the rest in your own time. It is an amazing piece of scripture, and it's my prayer that uh, it will create a thirst within you for truth, that you will uh, work through God's Bible under the guidance of his Holy Spirit and grow in your faith and better be able to defend the faith because that's what we're called to do. To establish his authority, Jude says he's a servant of Jesus Christ. Well, that might not mean much until he adds the next bit, he's a brother of James. Uh, Not this James here, but another one. In this statement, Jude is expressing some level of humility but still establishes why Christians should listen to him Because Peter the Apostle, who was the obvious leader of the New Testament church, has been jailed for preaching Christ, the leadership of this growing uh, body of believers has been given to a fellow called James. And this Jude and his brother James are mentioned in Mark 6.3, along with Joseph and Simon as brothers, or more correctly, half-brothers of Jesus. Jesus' brothers learned a lot through... uh, from him throughout their time with him as he grew 
Manasseh began to minister. They weren't believers straightway. They became believers following the crucifixion and the resurrection. But James, it appears, had learned so much in his time with his older brother uh, that he was an ideal replacement as the head of the Christian church while Peter was imprisoned. So being a brother of James, even without stating his relationship to Jesus, does make Judas, uh, Jude a spokesman worth listening to. He greets the Christians who are meeting in church groups where this letter will be read for the education and the building up of believers, and so it applies to us. We are one such church group where his letter has been read for, for building us up and strengthening our faith. In verse 3, Jude says he wanted to give assurance of salvation to those who have become followers of Christ. But being aware of false teachers at work, he uses his letter to go beyond that to warn believers of the dangers of accepting a revised gospel from wicked teachers. And you know, today I would have preferred, I guess like Jude, to spend time giving testimony and, and hearing testimony of praise to God uh, about answered prayer and uh, success or victory over temptation. That would be wonderful. But there's more important stuff on the agenda. But I, I do want to share one little thing. A couple of weeks ago, the uh, management team in our daughter's motel pulled up stakes rather quickly. And uh, Angela, though she's not a follower of Christ at this time, uh, asked her mother for help. And Alison suggested, well, can we pray? And uh, even the unbelievers believe in prayer when they're in strife. So Angela said, yes, Mum, do pray. And Alison prayed because Alison had uh, an agenda to serve in this situation too because if new managers couldn't be found quickly, Alison might have to fill in, which would mean working on the reception desk, possibly sleeping over for days on end and avoiding the good pleasures of coming home with me and feeding the dog, <laughs> stuff like that. And, you know... God is a prayer-answering Lord. And uh, some temporary managers were found and they come on board straight away and giving Angela and Jason a chance to find a more permanent replacement. So praise God for that. But there is more urgent stuff that Jude had to deal with and so I'll follow his lead. We have to reiterate his warning against giving up on Christ and taking an easy course instead of soldiering on during the trials that we will face in our faith. The very idea that God always forgives even without repentance was being promoted back then, before 100 AD. The once saved always saved theology of Jude's time had to be corrected it was a false hope then and it's a false hope today. It actually gives no hope at all. It's a false belief. And yet many people still cling to that. Mainly parents who often say, oh, my son made a childhood promise to follow Jesus when he was a little tyke. And what he's doing now doesn't really matter. God will honour that childhood prayer. Well, I'm sorry, but to those parents who believe that, Jude says you're wrong, and, and I have to stand with Jude. 
I stand with Matthew who says those who endure to the end will be saved. You know, we've got a salvation past, the day we commit our lives to Christ, a salvation present when he saves us from temptation day by day and a salvation future that we all have to look forward to, the day of judgment. And we have to be found in Christ at that time. As I said, Matthew 24, 13 says, he who endures to the end will be saved. And our God clearly revokes salvation when people reject Christ as Saviour and Lord. And Jude goes to great lengths to to give examples of this. The Lord has given us all free choice and he extends us the dignity of not overruling our bad decisions. Because if he did overrule our poor choices, it would no longer be free will or our choice. I guess now is as good a time as any to let you know what I hope God is going to plant in our hearts and minds from this epistle of Jude. I hope the Lord encourages us to share our our testimonies of answered prayer and victories over temptation with other believers to encourage each other and to encourage ourselves. Secondly, I hope we'll be encouraged to defend the true gospel of salvation against falsehood wherever we find it and with whomever we're speaking. Faith alone in Christ alone is our only salvation. And Romans 10.9 says that if we openly share Christ and believe that God raised him from the dead, then we are saved. Thirdly, I believe we have to maintain a godly lifestyle and Jude alludes to this. The fruit proves whether the tree is good or evil and the fruit of the spirit proves the work of his presence in our lives. Revelation 11 uh, reminds me that the faithful witnesses, although they were empowered with authority and miracles, They were called to be faithful and not to survive. And if you read through that chapter, they were faithful, but they didn't survive. And that was God's plan for them. So faithfulness is more important than a victory in this world's economy. There is so much in our world today to distract us from the practice and application of biblical truth. And that's what makes Jude's epistle such a great read, Uh, a good book to study. He warns us to stick with the basics. Don't be led astray. This life is not an end in itself. Francis Chan, the celebrated preacher and author, gave this illustration. It's not my own, and that's why I brought my my little bag of goodies with me. And if you know what this is, I'll ask my my apprentice, Alison, to come and... Unravel this for me and take this as far as she can. My beautiful assistant, she tells me I should be reading. No, 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 you go with that in. Now, Francis Chan said he had a big piece of rope, probably longer than mine, because he was in a bigger auditorium when he used this illustration. He said, this length of rope, Alison's gone out the front door. She's probably halfway down, down the ramp. This whole rope 
is representative of your entire life. And this little bit of tape on the end is your 70 or 80 years here on earth. All this good stuff that goes out there and down, down the ramp includes eternity. And Francis said, why do we worry so much about this little bit when we have this much life ahead of us? This life isn't worth the time we give it. We need to prepare ourselves for what lies ahead. It's a long road. Don't worry about the first bit. Yes, you can roll it up. That'd be great, Alison. <laughs> That'd be great. We come back to Jude's epistle when I have a drink. Verse 4 says that unscrupulous teachers are bringing in liberality to excuse sin that they wish to indulge in. Now, I don't believe for a minute that that's happening in our church because Pastor Keith keeps us on the straight and narrow. But in the church universal, there's a lot of stuff going on that we do not stand with and we do not uh, agree with. Some claim that a God of love will not consign anyone to hell. That's not the purpose of God. His purpose is to save people from hell and he's not responsible for the choices we make. He's given us a choice and we determine where we go. And he does everything without turning us into robots that he can do to bring us to the right decision. And liberal teaching has been diluting God's standards since the New Testament church began, back in Peter and James and Jude's day. But God hasn't changed. His standards don't depend on what our society or culture says is right and wrong. God has given us some very clear absolutes to live by. The Bible's description of morality has not changed. It's still valid. Malachi 3.6 says, God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. He doesn't change. And in the New Testament, we are reassured in Hebrews 13.8 that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. Now, for me, that tells me that God is Christ. Jesus is God. There is no separation. We have one God who displays three different characters, but we have one God. And he doesn't change his view of sin. I think I've heard this before, so it's not mine. But it's worth remembering, God's rules rule. And it's worth repeating, God's rules rule. And if they don't rule, we're in trouble. We should be in trouble and we will be come time of judgment. Verse 5 tells her of the Israelites that the Lord rescued from Egypt only to bring judgment against them later for their unfaithfulness. You would think, having seen the miracles that he performed throughout the Exodus, that they would have had faith. But they didn't. An entire generation, apart from Joshua and Caleb, turned against faith in God and God didn't take them into the promised land. When they threw God out of their lives, he left. He is a thorough gentleman and he'll do that. If anyone denies God and has no place for him in their lives, he will simply leave. 
If our government locks Bible reading and prayer and religious instruction and chaplains out of our schools, we can't expect the Lord to watch over and protect our children. So we have to campaign that, that these opportunities for Christian ministry continue. It's called a dignity of risk. We are gifted with the freedom of choice. And rejection of Christ brings punishment, the punishment that our sin truly deserves. It's mankind's fault if people choose to go their only way. And not only mankind, because in verse 6 of Jude's epistle, we read that some angels went astray. They were created to praise God. But they also wanted to write their own rules and it didn't work for them. We read, or Lynn read for us, that they're chained in darkness. God's rules were broken and the angels were judged for the choices they made. It's hard to imagine an angel, like the very mention of the word, we think of angelic behaviour. But these ran amok. And Genesis 6, verses 1 to 4, is an interesting read on the subject. It says the angels saw that the daughters of man were beautiful and took whomever they liked as their wives, and and these angels fathered giants among men. And some of them became heroes or infamous, I guess. They were heroes to one side or the other. And I wondered about the giants. Uh, I believe the, the giants in the Bible... Uh, what were called Nephilim or something like that. You go for your pronunciation and I'll go for mine. Um, I remember reading how King Saul was head and shoulders above those around him. Um, Was he a giant? Who knows of a nasty giant who had to be taken down? Goliath, of course. Um, The promised land frightened Ten of the twelve spies because the place was full of giants. Nephilim, if you read your Bibles, turn up here and there. By coming to earth and leaving God's allotted position of ministry for them, these angels stepped out of his plan. So it shouldn't surprise anyone that they'd be punished rather than rewarded for their rebellion. We know that angels often took the form of man and later on, Jude mentions the archangel Michael who came in the form of man to bring ministry to the people of this world. Verse 7 reminds us of the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. Their immorality was gross and it wasn't restricted to homosexuality just amongst themselves. They also wanted to sexually exploit the angels that were sent to warn Lot and his family to escape the destruction that God was planning for Sodom and Gomorrah and the villages that surround it. One version said these men, the men of these towns, went after strange flesh. They were perverse and it had to be punished. So Jude reminds us all that God is holy and just and his very character demands that sin which remains unrepented will be punished. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. I'm I'm so pleased that it has a second half because it says, but the free gift 
of life is he, uh, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we put our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, we live. The alternative is to reject Christ and die. It's a very, very simple equation, but it's left in our hands. And Jude says in verse 8 that these false teachers are a mob of dreamers. They commit all manner of sin and, and keep on sinning and, and dream that Jesus will rescue them from God's judgment. That is so far from God's plan of salvation that we wonder how anyone could believe such nonsense. And Jude calls them dreamers. And, and I thought immediately of that Australian film, The Castle. What would they say of people who believed in falsehoods? Tell them they're dreaming. It is totally false. God spells out the procedure that we must follow to receive his free forgiveness. He requires sincere repentance and faith in the Saviour's sacrificial death as providing justice because of our sins. And the interesting stuff in Jude's letter doesn't finish there. It goes on. Verse 9 introduces facts about the burial of Moses that is not told in the narrative of, of uh, Deuteronomy 34, 1-6. Deuteronomy says that when Moses died after viewing this, the promised land with the Lord, God buried him and no one knows the location of the grave. But Jude quotes from spiritual writings that are not included in the canon of our scripture. Uh, and he brings out a truth that isn't in the first part. He says that the devil tried to claim the body of Moses because he was guilty of murdering an Egyptian. We know about that the Egyptian who was oppressing the Hebrews. But instead of arguing personally with the devil, the archangel Michael simply said, the Lord rebuke you. We have proof that the, level, that the devil lost the argument because Moses visited Jesus with Elijah in the transfiguration recorded in Matthew chapter 17. So while Jude's story doesn't appear in the Old Testament books, that we read, early church folk knew the literature that he was referring to. And I think later on in the epistle, he speaks about the letter of uh, Enoch. Uh, and, and I think this comes from the same, the same literature. And while Jude quoted from writings that aren't included in, in the canon of our scripture, we can't just toss that away because some pretty important people did the same thing. Stephen did in Acts 7 in his speech. Uh, the apostle, he, he was quoting Philo the, the, about the sea and the land, people making, the uh, Pharisees making proselytes across sea and land, where we would normally say land and sea. Uh, so it was a quote from a poet. The apostle Paul in Acts 17, 28, when he was... Uh, at a trial, he said, as some of the poets have said, we are his offspring, speaking of our relationship with God. And since Jude's rewording of the other record is part of the inspired word of God, we can trust in its truthfulness and its record of history. It's part of the inspired word of God. 
Jude says woe to the false teachers in verse 11 because they've gone the way of Cain and of Balaam and of Korah. And we know about these guys. They were baddies in the Old Testament. And he's saying that the false teachers in the New Testament church of that day were following after the same sort of motives as were Cain and Balaam and Korah. Now, we know Cain murdered his brother, but one of the decisions he made was to to offer a sacrifice that God had not asked for. God had asked for one specific sacrifice and Cain offered another. He was a dreamer because he was dreaming in his head that God would be satisfied or blessed by a sacrifice that he hadn't asked for when he had asked for an entirely different one. Balaam was a profitable prophet of God for a time and then he chose to sell his prophecy for a prophet and that was clearly outside of God's plan for giving him the truth to prophesy and uh, he was a bit of a dreamer because he dreamt he could make a profit out of God's word and uh, get away with it but he didn't and Korah He's another baddie of the Old Testament. He stood against God's man in leadership and rejected uh, the leadership of Moses despite the ample proof that God gave through miracles and that that Moses should lead the nation of of Israel from Egypt all the way to the Promised Land. Korah believed he could conduct a mutiny against God's chosen servant and succeed without the Lord stepping in. Was he a dreamer? Certainly was. The absurd dreams of Cain and Balaam and Korah were their downfall, and it's the downfall of the false teachings that permeate the church universal today. And Jude says, be awake to these things. Be alert. Don't follow the dreams of false teachers who are trying to overthrow the truth because they have an agenda of their own. He spends the rest of his letter pleading with the Christians to remain faithful and to go into debate using truth against heresy uh, of the false teaching. You know, many dreamers are alive and well in today's society. I don't see any in our church, but I see a lot in our in our society and in our parliament. And we're challenged to uphold God's truth despite the support given to the false teachings and the dreamers by the media and other self-invested groups. You know what? Marriage equality is still a sin. It's a sin in the sight of God and it'll be sin on the judgment day. Homosexuality is a sin, always has been, will be in the day of judgment. Sex outside of marriage is sin. It doesn't matter what society allows or supports. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. He has not yet and will not change his mind on any of these matters of truth. Sin is sin and there is only one remedy. We've sung about it and read about it today. The only uh, valid remedy to sin is found in Christ and in Christ alone. 
Apostasy does exist. That's the state of losing one's salvation. It's happening when our young people are trained up in Christian belief and then are led astray by evolutionary teaching and and other heresy that they get in higher education. Many dreamers will tell you that it can't happen, but look at God's word. Heresy, I mean uh, apostasy, is real and it happens in our midst. Look at the close of Jude's letter. Verses 24 and 25 I'm going to use as the benediction uh, at the end of the service today. And, and Jude wrote this to reassure people. He says, Now to him who is able to keep you from falling away and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with rejoicing, to the only wise God our Saviour be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Apostasy or falling away from a saving relationship with God has to be what Jude is warning about because his closing statement is that God is able to keep you from falling away. God is then able to present you without a single fault. Imagine that. All our mistakes and deliberate rebellion put out of God's thinking as far as the east is from the west, an immeasurable distance, God promises in Psalm 103. He doesn't forget. He chooses not to recall those things once he forgives them and they're not repeated. And God does this in his own joy. For his pleasure we are and were created. And while he does that for his pleasure, he gives us great joy as well. The peace in our hearts knowing that things are forgiven, that we are in right standing with God. There isn't anything else in this world to compare with that. But it's a gift we must personally and deliberately accept and maintain. All praise and glory to our God. Praise God for giving Jude the inspiration to write this epistle to us. The U Bible version gave me a verse for today and and it just fitted in. It's from Ephesians 6. It says, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Praise God our Saviour who can make us overcomers, who can give us victory over sin and temptation, over false teaching and treachery. So let's strengthen our relationship with God through the study of his word. Read this epistle over and over again and take in the truths that Jude intends for the New Testament church to have at the basis of our belief system. Do what Jesus' half-brother says to do. Share your testimonies and your victories over sin to encourage one another, believer to believer, and defend the gospel of salvation against falsehood whenever and wherever the opportunity arises. Quote scripture. Remember how Jesus stood against the temptations of the devil. He simply quoted the truth of scripture. 
and live like a true Christian. Let the person of Christ shine out in your life. Be like Christ in all your dealings with others. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord and Saviour, we are so grateful for your plan to rescue mankind from the penalty of sin. We praise the name of Jesus for he died that we might live. And it all comes down to the choices we make in this life, this little part of our overall life. Bless and strengthen us, Lord, so we will not be fooled by false teaching. Help us to resist sin and temptation so we can give a good witness of our faith and remain in your love. Equip us to help others in spiritual matters and give us courage to speak out against the teaching of dreamers. We thank you for Jude and for his faithfulness in penning this letter. Help us hold fast to your revelation of yourself through the scriptures. We declare afresh our love for you, Lord, thanking you for the grace to repent of our sin and the faith to believe for salvation. Accept our love now, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.